You're listening to The Drew Marshall Show on Joy 1250. Well, it is our Mother's Day special today. Hope you're enjoying the show. And uh, there's a few families that I want you to keep in mind. I'd like you to, to really keep in, in prayer uh, a good friend of ours, Lori Boschman, who tragically lost his wife uh, a number of weeks ago to uh, to cancer. First Mother's Day for them without Nancy. So a tough thing. But joining us also on the show today is uh, Madeline Osborne. And Madeline, it is just always so good to chat with you. A few weeks ago, um, you were our celebrity co-host, and we were talking about your mom being ill and what it was like facing the reality of her, of her dying. And uh, in the last few weeks, your your mom did pass away. Yes. Tell us just a little bit about about that day. What what transpired? Uh, it was April twentieth, and um, the day actually started about one a.m. That was when I got off the phone with one of my older sisters, who also lives away from my mom. She lives in the Denver area, and of course, my mother was in uh, New Mexico had been in a nursing home since uh, September after breaking a hip. She was already stroke-impaired and had had many vascular emergencies in the years before that, so she was quite uh, she was quite impaired in many ways, but still very much alive and very much uh, hoping for a, always hoping for a future. But she broke her hip, and for many elderly people who are not in great shape, it's often the beginning of the end. Hope I don't sound too pessimistic saying that, but that's how my no, grandfather died. Yeah, it's the reality. And uh, she, uh, so she, she really, really went downhill from there. Was never able to get over the the successive traumas that happened in the nursing home after that. But um, about one in the morning of uh, April twentieth, I just got on off the phone with my sister, and we spent about an hour, close to an hour and a half, talking about her very deep inclination to convince my father just to get my mother home, so she could die in her home. And I don't know why that had never occurred to me. I mean, I live really far away. I was hardly ever able to be there and see her decline. And and she was not forthcoming about uh, her death. She never, ever, ever spoke about it. Didn't want to talk about it at all? I don't know if she didn't want to. She just didn't. And my mother was the kind of formidable woman in thought and mood and deed that you just sort of didn't probe my mother easily because something really unfortunate could come back or... She could shut down further, or she could shut you down, you know, maybe not meaning to hurt you, but just needed to be in control of those things. And right. When someone's really sick and you're trying to make them feel better, you just tend to want to go where they want to go. And so that was very uh, problematic for my whole family, talking to my mother about this. We and, and, you know, we wanted to focus on making her well, making her comfortable. Can we make her better? And, uh, and I guess it just continued to be surprising that she never seemed to speak about, you know, her possible impending death. So day by day, you just, you go on her vibes, and nobody in my family felt comfortable going there. Um, but that night, um, my sister felt, was really, really filled with this, and I was just struck by how um, uh, profound that urge of hers was, and I thought, holy cow, you are so, so right. And we talked about the implication of that for my dad, because what if she came home and she lingered in, in, in this state that she was in, which was extremely serious. 
what if she lingered there for weeks? Um, we're worried about my father's health. Yeah. And worried about what that would do to him, because um, his living space had now become a place to retreat and gather his himself before every time he went back to the nursing home. And if this re- his home now became again nonstop, 24 hours a day, my mother's condition, we were worried about him, and he was worried about him. So... Um, uh, anyway, to make a long story short, we ended that conversation in prayer about so many things and uh, just so sure, okay, it's time to tell my dad, you know what, we need to bring her home. Please don't worry whether it lingers into at days and days and weeks and weeks. Let's let, you know. And uh, in the wee hours of the morning, she dies. And... It was the very first time in the nursing home that anybody had spent the night with her. Really? Yeah, which, of course, was incredibly providential, and I thank God for that. And the reason that that occurred is that the woman that my mother had been sharing the room with in the nursing home was actually a very well woman, a very sharp woman. She was in that nursing home, I think, voluntarily because she had lung disease and was finding it incredibly difficult to live at home. And so I think she qualified to be in the nursing home, but I don't think she ever intended to stay there indefinitely. So we had this extremely sharp, well woman who could take care of a lot of her own needs rooming with my mother, mm. who's, you know, been on the march to death for many, many months. Well, she had just moved out uh, five days before that. And then the night nurse that we were very comfortable with, who was wonderful to my mother, he had just received news that his father had been killed. So for the very first time, he was not there. And my sister became very alarmed, my other sister who lives in New Mexico. And she just didn't want to leave my mother alone. And so she went in and and stayed next to her and fell asleep in the chair. And Do you think, well, your, do you think your mother knew that someone was, was there? Like, was she cognitive enough? And in other words, she, she l- let go? We often hear people saying, okay, now's a good time to let go because, because maybe one of my daughters is here. We will never, ever know that. My mother was in a totally agitated state, not in a peaceful state. So mm-hmm. it's very difficult to know whether she derives peace from that or how aware she was of that. Up until about 11.30 that night, she died about, we're thinking, 3.34 in the morning. Up until almost midnight, she was in a panicky, frantic state. The way people, as you sometimes read and hear, can be right right as they are going to meet death, either that day or in the, follow, or in the next few days, reaching out, clawing at things, just, just gibberish and frantic, calling out for her father, who's been dead for 30 years, and that kind of thing. It was very frantic stuff. And I think my nephew, who she absolutely adored, he's 18, graduates from high school in a couple of days, he was in there mainly to go support his mom. Um, and I think at one point he did say to uh, my mother, Grandma, it's okay to go. And the only reason none of us ever said that to her was we felt like there was so much that we wanted to communicate with her before she went, and we were trying to draw her out. And we weren't anxious for her just to leave. We we didn't know whether it was her will to go, whether she wanted to stay, and we were trying to respect her vibes, her wishes, her longings, but she simply was not communicating with us. Um, but, you know, younger people, they tend not to have those needs and that baggage, and and so to him, it was just, my grandmother is in this incredible state. Grandma, go! Hmm. You know, so he said, it's okay to go, Grandma. And apparently he was able to, within the next half hour, kind of, maybe his presence calmed her down. He left. Eventually my sister uh, went to sleep, maybe in the wee hours of the morning, 2.30 or something. And 
I think when she fell asleep, my mother was sleeping peacefully. And then when she woke up, my sister said, I just knew that she wasn't breathing, but I was afraid to go over there. And my sister wonders if she sat there almost 30 minutes before she went to check my mom. Really? She said, you know, it could have been five minutes. It could have been 10 minutes, but it felt like 30, and I was too afraid to go and check her. So it was just very poignant, very dramatic, very... My dear sister, all they're all alone, and of course my. And then my sister tortured herself later. Why wasn't I awake? Why wasn't I awake? Mm. And of course we know outside her, you did everything that you could possibly do that you could possibly do. But she was reminding herself of that scripture. Why couldn't you remain awake one hour with me? She told me that later. My heart just broke for her. Oh no! Because we are so grateful to her in every way that she has been in this journey with my mother, pouring herself out to the detriment of herself and her own family. And on the last night of my mother's life, she, she, you know, followed her instincts and stayed there. And it was that a part of my mother being able to, I'll never know. I'll never know. But of course, we comfort ourselves with that. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. We're speaking with Madeline Osborne. Actually, I just heard your husband, Mark Osborne, on Sports Spectrum uh, this afternoon. In the middle of his chores, he, he he did that interview too. Yeah, between twelve and one, I heard I heard Mark Osborne, and now we've got Madeline on the show. So, uh, uh, and and we're just talking about what it's like losing losing your mom, uh, and now you're faced with your first Mother's Day without your mom. Now, on a typical Mother's Day, Madeline, would it would it be a, just a phone call down and touch base? How you doing? Good to see you. I mean, because there's that distance factor with you. Yes, and not only the distance factor, but my mother has been in this compromised state of, you know, stroke impaired, always ill, always in pain. Um, is there some confusion setting in with her? A short attention span. So in these last many years, I didn't have tremendous communication with my right. mom over the phone. It, it had already sort of passed into a... Yeah, just those momentary connections. And yeah. Are are you allowed to give yourself permission to say this was a relief with my mom dying? This is a this is a good thing oh, that she's yeah. not suffering. Have you have you? Oh yeah, yo, it's a good thing that she's not suffering. Goodness, yes. Yeah. Am I relieved? I am surprised how not relieved I've been. Really? <sighs> I'm very surprised. Um, you know, I've shared with you, uh, you know, uh, a little bit already, Drew, even before my mother died and, and one morning, a couple of days ago after my mother died, um, I, I've been going through a lot of really, really deep, heavy things having to do with her. Some, I realize now, just having to do with my own, my own faith, maybe my own insecurities, my own projections of things. Um, I'm working that out with the Lord now, how much of this um, um, incredible angst and deep, deep, grieving that I've been going through, how much of it is just something about my own notions that need to be corrected, need to mature. Okay, you'll have to pull that apart a little bit. Can you, Madeline? Can you pull that apart? Um, well, you know, the, I, it appears to me, I, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful my mother was peacefully asleep the last few hours before she died. And uh, someday I'll get to see where she was in those last hours. Of course, right now I'm filled with hope that the Lord came and said, Francis, put it all down and come to the one you've been calling out to your whole life. You know, that is my fondest hope and I'm comforting myself with that now. But up until very recently, I've not been able to derive much comfort from that because I've been a little bit distracted by the dark march to death that she was on. Mm. And why would that happen for a Christian? Why would that happen for a believer? Um, it also seems apparent 
that my mother was struggling with everything she believed in up until she died. She didn't share that with any of us as much as I was dying to share that with her. She did not share any of that with us. But I did Well, how did you know then? Because I did speak to, I did probe the priest that was helping us put together her, um, her funeral. Um, I probed him about that, and uh, the deeper I probed him, he wasn't, he wasn't forthcoming out of respect for her, but when I said, you know, she's gone, she's my mother, I saw with my own eyes what I believe you're going to tell me, so there's nothing wrong with you telling me. I just want to know from her mouth how would she describe this incredible angst, fearful, dark, dry, empty space that she appeared to be in before she died. You know, as Christians, we're hoping that that our loved ones and ourselves, we will be longing to see Jesus, and we will just, we will just prepare for that and take incredible comfort from that. For that, you know, I didn't see my mother doing that, and it was very distressing for me and very what, confusing. Was she angry with God? I can only imagine there was probably some of that going on. Yeah, she even herself, she may have thought, "I have suffered." I mean, she's only a human being; she wasn't a hero. I've suffered so much, and it's just one degradation after another, and where are you? Why? Maybe she was thinking, because she had a lot of sorrows, a lot of unfulfillment in her life, a lot of anguish in her personal life, and um, I can only imagine maybe that's where some of it came from. Hmm. And uh, But the priest did say she was struggling a lot at the end. When I, you know, I said, like well, that was very, very clear. What did she do? Did, did she tell you with her own mouth what that was about? He said, well, she, was, she wasn't she was sure. So, Madeline, all of the angst involved here for you, the, the pain, the emotion, the hurt, the, the journey of all of this, really does it really come down to, is my mother in heaven or not? Uh, so, I, I have to admit, some of it, some of it is that, and that, that just uh, simply, that really pictures for you that I'm maybe my own faith is being tested. Why would I worry about that? Why would I worry about that? And I think the reason I would worry about that is, as I told you the last time I spoke to you on the show, it's not God that I sometimes have trouble believing in. It's me. Hmm. It's us. Is our commitment to him, is it real? You know, and uh, I do go through that sometimes. Am I for real? Am I for real? I can love him, and I can worship him, and I can exult in him, and I can admire him, and I can tell everybody about him and be brokenhearted when somebody doesn't believe in him, but am I really for real? Am I really living for the Lord? Have I, have I really given myself to him? You know, so some of that is, um, I think, my own faith is, is being tested or whatever, or, or my own notions about what faith is supposed to look like, mm. right? Yeah. And uh, just reconciling, and, and maybe this is a child thing, a daughter thing, strip away all my, you know, education, intelligence, everything I think that I know. This is a daughter thing. Why did my mother die in such a dark, anguished, fearful way? And um, so those images seem to contradict each other. Maybe they don't. And I'll learn that from people as I start to talk to people about it. And, you know, I'll I'll be picking people's brains, like, how did so-and-so die? How did so-and-so die? Maybe this isn't an incredibly contradictory thing. Maybe it happens a lot with people who have loved and believed in the Lord all their life. Hmm. You know, if they are not filled, you know, with um, intimacy with the Lord, when they go to die, maybe this will happen. It doesn't mean that they are that they are disconnected from the Lord. As hmm. you so wonderfully reminded me the other morning, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And I even read in one of my mother's old letters or old journals, I can't remember, this week, 
oh, an old and a letter that she wrote to me, um, where she talked about the Lord has incredible compassion on the faint-hearted, everlasting mercy and compassion on those who are of little faith, and that may have been where my mother was at the end. And so I, I need to be reminded that how big is God's compassion. The focus isn't on our failings. The focus is on His compassion and His love is so massive, I can't comprehend it. Because I'm so busy focusing on, am I doing all right? Am I performing right? Am I being a good girl? Am I, you know? Right. And so maybe that notion really needs to be clobbered inside me once and for all. Um, but again, it, you see your parent go through that and not appear, and I really want to stress the word appear, not appear with my own understanding, to be deriving comfort with the Lord, to be having communion with the Lord at the most incredible part of their life when they're about to pass from death to life. It is frightening, I'm sorry to say, but it did frighten me to see my mother in that condition, and it perplexed me so greatly, and she also wasn't letting me in. You know, the person that she probably had the deepest spiritual conversations with in her immediate family she didn't want to let me in. She almost seemed to not want to be near me hmm. in that conversation. So I, I couldn't get any, I didn't get an invitation to, to say, Mom, are you, how is it with your soul? Are you okay? Can, is there anything I can remind you of? Can I just can encourage you? I, I was not invited to come that close. Any regrets about not bulldozing your way into it? Yeah, now I say absolutely yes. When I talked to you, with you before she died, I don't know if you remember. Yes, I remember. I was saying, man, I just really felt so filled with respect towards yes. my mother's yeah. face. This is her death. This is her life. Well, which is it, though, then, Madeline? Yeah. You know, prior to her death, you you were saying, I want, I just, I want to respect that. Yeah. And I think that we all agreed that was admirable. And now that she's got, she's died, you're you're experiencing those and i think both are natural yeah. you're experiencing those regrets yeah and it may take a long time for me to work out what was the real truth of that situation i may never know but that'll be something that i will be seeking between me and the lord yeah. for a really really long time which was preferable lord which was preferable hmm. did i was i actually protecting myself by what by not producing maybe a reaction in my mother that would hurt me even more. Right. Uh, was I protecting myself, or was I filled with, uh, you know, unbridled love for my mother and only concern for her? I don't think, I can't answer that. That's going to be one of those lifelong discoveries that I, that I make. But am I, am I bereft that I don't, did not get something? Yeah, I really regret not, not... Mm. Walking into those muddy waters, scary muddy waters with my mom, um, the way I promised myself 100% I was going to do when I went down there to visit. Right. I was so stunned by the vibes that I got from her, by by what sort of happened, this sort of wall that I felt she put up between us. I was so stunned by it that I, I stood back and told myself, I'm just going to respect her. This is the best way I can love her. Hmm. But was that really what I was doing? I don't know. But I am doing better. I am doing better. Is that because of time? Um, I have no way of knowing that. But I do know that, for instance, Drew, when you just happened to call me that morning, and I told you a couple of days ago, I can't believe you're calling me right now, even though that was not what you were calling me about. Mm. Because that morning, as every morning since she died, you know, begging the Lord to speak to me, begging the Lord to show me in your word or anywhere that you want, confirm for me this peace that I need, that my mother is with you, that, you know, all these questions that I have, you know, why 
why, 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 why was she in that dark, frantic, terrified state that no one could seem to comfort her out of, you know? You know, just, just, just come to me and sew this up for me, you know? Um, you know, that morning you gave me, you reminded me of that scripture, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. I know that scripture. Intellectually, I received that many times in these last many, many weeks. But that morning, it seemed for the first time, I was able to receive it with my heart, and some light came in. Why that happened, I'm telling myself, it's because the Lord delivered to me the comfort that I needed and gave me the grace to receive it and not be overly preoccupied with my own understanding, which is these taunting thoughts of the darkness that she was in. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm empathizing with my mother so deeply. A lot of that's just plain love. Some of it's fear. But to be over-distracted with what I saw and heard with my own eyes, which is our own understanding, right, I think sometimes keeps you from receiving the truth, receiving the comfort that God has for you, because you just insist on being in your own understanding. And I think that's where I've been. Almost maybe a, maybe a little temper tantrum in a way. Mm-hmm. I'm staying here. Yeah. I'm staying here until this thing gets worked out. Yeah, yeah. That's where I've been for many weeks, like in deep, deep grieving and in some torment. You know, I'll admit. We are speaking with Madeline Osborne. And a few weeks ago, Madeline uh, was our celebrity co host. Uh, she's a former Hollywood actress. I hope you're okay with that label. <laughs> She, you know, uh, it makes me kind of laugh inside, but sure, that's okay. Yeah, I don't know. I know I, it's a compliment. I, I never, it's a compliment. I mess up your name all the time. I never know ah, what to call right. you. I don't know your identity. Anyway, <laughs> but she uh, she shared about her mom being ill and what it was like facing the reality of her mom dying. And then, of course, since then, sadly, her mom has passed away. And and with Mother's Day being tomorrow, I thought, wow, well, you know, for you to share this journey with us is tremendous. Thank you very, very much for this because... I think we need to be mindful of the people who are struggling on Mother's Day. And I know it's been a, a long journey for you, and this will be your first Mother's Day without without your mom. What was the most poignant part of the funeral? What was the hardest part of the funeral? When did the when did it sink in? When did it hit you? Take us to that day. Well, what's very interesting, I mean, I've, I've been kind of frank with you about the torment that I was in, the kind of grieving that I was in. And yeah incredible rude shock it was to me that with everybody praying everybody knew what i wanted for my mother and i think everybody knew that i wanted to see with my own eyes i wanted everybody in my family to see my mother communing with the lord before she died as a witness mm. because my mother loved the lord and i know i mean you know i was reminded of all of that which i had forgotten by seeing all this dark stuff i was reminded of all of it when i stumbled across all these journals and in these this last week, I've been rereading all her letters to me from 20 and 30 years ago, filled with always, always, always lifting up the Lord before us. I mean, there is incredible testimony in there. But that prayer that my mother be visually and audio in an audio way for everyone to hear and see was, did not commune with the Lord, uh, apparently, in the way that we can understand. Um, but, of course, we can't see everything, so... Um, and so that was that was incredibly difficult for me. But you're asking me about the funeral, right? Yeah. Um, so I was in that kind of torment, oddly enough. And again, I am now looking at that with fresh eyes uh, more and more and more. The day of the funeral, I did not feel like crying once. I felt I felt like I'd come into the light. Uh, the funeral, oddly enough, was 
it was so rich. It was so beautiful. It was so amazing, the things that happened that day. It was the only day in this four or five weeks that I haven't wept. Hmm. So, wow. I'm thinking maybe all those prayers filled up that cup. And that funeral, I believe, was miraculous because we had many, 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 many deep, dark issues and weird conflicts and paradoxes and all kinds of things, you know. It was not a foregone conclusion that my mother would have this rich, beautiful funeral. That's all I'll say about that. But she did. Isn't that great? And we were all transported. And at the end of the funeral, all five of us got up and spoke. We sort of knew we were doing that, but neither, none of us knew, and I'm speaking of my four brothers and sisters and myself, yeah. none of us knew what the other was going to say. And apparently, to all the people that were there, it was just, they used these words, it was mesmerizing to see each one of us take a completely different angle, expose some of who we were, and a very, very different facet of my mother, and we did not collude on that at all, and it just happened that way, and it, it was very ministering. I'll use that word, although my brothers and sisters might use that word. It was very ministering to all of us to see our siblings and for my father to see his children, you know, for that to happen. And so I felt like that prayer that my mother would be a vessel of glory to God before she died. I felt like that's what she was at her funeral. And... um it, it, more than I could have imagined possible, hmm. you know, based on the circumstances. So the funeral was quite amazing. And we drove up to Santa Fe, which is a 45, 50-minute drive from the church, to bury her in a military cemetery that my baby brother, who died when he was 19 months old back in 1962, has been buried there all these years hmm. and buried my mother there. Well, halfway up, sunny, dry, warm New Mexico in the spring, we suddenly get hit with lightning, thunder, rain, sleet, slush, and hail. It only lasts 10 minutes from the time we're approaching the cemetery until my mother was laid in the ground, and it was over. Now, of course, that's, we're, we're all that, going... That's the way your mother went out. Oh, yeah. And we all got that. And, of course, we're all thinking that was all about us, <laughs> which, of course, we laughed at, too. Yeah. There are only, you know, billions of people on the planet, and there's... 500,000 people in the Albuquerque area, but it was just in that 10 minutes that we had that weather in that area that day, and my mother was the only person literally being interned at that moment in that cemetery, but uh, uh, the the custom that they have there is you don't go to the gravesite. They have all these safety regulations about that, so there's this beautiful, beautiful um, outdoor gazebo type thing where the coffin is and the family is. Well, none of us were dressed. We were all shivering and freezing, and there's lightning cracking and hail coming down and wind whipping through this gazebo with the coffin there, and we were just... It was really... Weird. It was was an amazing, dramatic moment. We all made the the typical jokes about my mother's dramatic, fiery personality (laughs) and life, and, of course, I just, you know, took it all spiritually, and so those kinds of things happened that day, and it was quite remarkable. Well, Madeline, you know... You know what, Drew? I just want to... Yeah. Speaking of this vessel of glory thing, I told you that I found something the other day that really... In these journals again? uh, Well, a letter that my mother wrote. You know, can I just totally interrupt for a second? These journals and letters that you've recently found that that have given you such an insight into your mother's spiritual life and her journey and just almost a testimony on paper here... With the way she went out and and then finding these these journals and letters, this is this is a movie for a Sunday afternoon. If you ever get to writing, I want you to package this together. I want to see the contrast of 
of of this woman who you're telling us about going up against these these letters and journals that you mysteriously kind of came upon a tremendously unique experience i think that you're going through with these journals yeah you know what i don't know if it's unique or not i just know that i i was desperate to find something and i do believe i feel spooky i feel like being i'm being transported into another time i feel like i'm with my mother in fact i'm so sad i've come to the end of all the letters she wrote me and i'm looking around going oh no i'm done because i just felt like i was completely transported into my mother's company and the the amazing thing about it is you know what i what i think i'm getting here from all this is that when a person is in a safe place when they're by themselves writing things down they're in a safe place they're in good control they're in the mood to write all those outward angst things and conflicts and and uh, the flesh against the spirit all that stuff that's going on that you can really, really be at calm with when you're by yourself. Well, that's when the beauty of my mother's soul, the purity of her wants and needs and desires flowed out. But yet when she was in contact with other people and living her daily life, which was filled with all kinds of difficulties and anguishes and all that kind of stuff, um, that's all compromised, right? I mean, that's all war with the flesh, isn't it? And yet what I found in these journals and these letters is my mother's pure, unadulterated, non-combative soul just coming out. I I thank God for it. I thank God for it. Because when you're fighting with someone, you see them fighting with someone else, you can't remember all that stuff. Hmm. You don't get to see it with your own eyes very often. And yet that was the the bedrock of her soul, even though her battle in the flesh was fierce. Hmm. So I was very, very happy to find it. And um, the thing that I found the other day that I said to you, oh, man, I just found something today, Drew, and I I think, uh, oh, man, I feel like the grip of darkness has let me go. A bit. I found this letter, and you know we're making all these jokes about this Hollywood actress thing. Well, wouldn't you know? I just I just found this letter that my mother must have written to me the night before the premiere of Urban Cowboy, all those years ago. My first movie back in 1979. They had this big highfalutin premiere uh, in Houston with all these celebrities and dignitaries and all this stuff. You know, John Travolta was the biggest star in the world when that movie came out. Sure. So I was just this little creature that got to get in on that part. But, um, <laughs> She wrote me this letter. For some reason, I cannot remember why she could not come. But my father and one of my brothers came, and she wrote me this note. And my mother, oh, the other thing I found out about my mother in these letters, I knew she was a very literate person, very beautifully educated, but she's uh, there's so much poetry in her letters. It really amazed me. And this is where her pure, lavish love, you just saw, you could see it with your own eyes. She wrote me this note, and she goes through this long list, not how sad she is she can't be with me there, but she goes through this list of every role I ever played from the time I was six years old all the way up until I was 22 and I was in Urban Cowboy. And then she said, and now at 23, a real-life movie star at her first premiere. I only wish I could live all those moments over again and the best moment of all at your first communion on Thanksgiving Day in 1964 when you were seven. As you slipped back into the pew to sit between your daddy and me, you smiled like an angel and threw your arms around my neck. You had to share that beautiful moment with those you loved. That's what I shall miss by not being in Houston with you. But in my heart of hearts, I shall hold you close and whisper in your ear, I'm so proud of my resurrection child. I was born on Easter Sunday. My Madeline. Sip a bit of champagne for me and do hang on ever so lightly to that cape of fame but ever so strongly to the hand of him 
who won it all for you forever and ever. Wow. I'm very sure of one thing. As long as you live, those stars in your eyes will never fade. A new horizon will always be beckoning, and for some mysterious reason, you see it more clearly than so many others. I love you, Mom. Mm. So that is the vessel of glory that I prayed my mother would be. This is what her letters are filled with, all this incredible poetry and love of God and constantly pushing me toward him, you know? Yeah. I joked at the funeral, I said, you know, my mom, the first time I ever heard my mother's voice was on Easter Sunday, because I was born on Easter Sunday, and that's why she named me Madeline. And the last time I ever heard my mother's voice was on Easter Sunday, four days before she died. Really? And I was telling people, you know, my mother was always nudging me down the road of faith. I went a little further down the road than she had in mind. Mm, yeah. <laughs> she was always trying to pull me back. And, of course, that got a huge laugh because everybody knows there was this big kerfuffle about my leaving the Catholic Church. But um, oh, it just to me, it's all sewn up so gorgeously in that letter that she wrote me. And that letter was written 26 years ago, and that is the balm for my soul. And that is why I'm going to feel just fine tomorrow, because I'm going to be exulting in all this stuff now instead of all that torment that I think you have to go through, but that is mm, probably ultimately just your own understanding yeah, that's yeah. torturing you, and we're not supposed to lean on that. So, Good for you, Madeline. I am so proud. You know, I love speaking with you. I love the way you express things. You, uh, you Tell me you, you, do, you do speaking engagements. No. Why not? <laughs> because... Well, I don't know. I guess I don't want to. <laughs> I guess it's not my calling. It's not my leading. It It is for some people. Yeah, that's like I have good friends that are amazing guitar players, and they don't play. It drives me nuts. Oh, well, you know what? I appreciate you saying that to me. It's absolutely wonderful. But if that is true, what you're saying to me, maybe it only comes out at spontaneous times. Mm, maybe. And maybe that's the, on the only time that I trust anymore mm. about these kinds of things. I don't know. <laughs> Madeline Osborne, thank you so much again for sharing. I think that was very important. I'm so glad you said yes. It was a bit last minute, but, uh, you know, I'm so glad you agreed to, to come on and share from your heart because, again, my mind goes to, you know, I lost my mother uh, when I was 22, and and, oh, and, oh. and Mother's Days are, are days where, you know, people are celebrating and, and getting together with moms, but I see more people taking their mothers for granted on Mother's Day, and it drives me nuts. And I'm sure I did too, Drew. Hmm. I was so used to, I've been... I haven't lived at home for over 30 years. I've got so used to the distance, and I'm a mother now myself, and my mother-in-law lives here, and Mother's Day, you know, <laughs> I'm sure I did, too. Yeah. And that, that kills you. It breaks your heart when you think about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, listen, uh, give your husband a smack upside the head for me. Okie dokie, glad to do it. Yep, and uh, <laughs> I hope you have a tremendous Mother's Day tomorrow. Well, I, I, I hope you do, too. I, pray, you know, I, I really hope God just reaches down and blesses you so supernaturally that oh. you can't help but know that he's He's relentlessly pursuing you. Oh, thank you. What a beautiful thing to say, and, and to you as well. To thank you. you as well. Thank you, Madeline. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Well, there we go. That was our journey segment for today. Former Hollywood actress Madeline Smith Osborne. Just talking about recently losing her mom. Tough thing to go through, especially with Mother's Day being tomorrow. We're going to take a short break and uh, open up the phone lines when we come back. Are mothers more important than fathers? I mean, let's just cut to the chase of it here. If a couple gets divorced, why do the courts tend to automatically side with the mother? Do you think mothers make better single parents than fathers? Is that a reality? We'll make a few random phone calls and we'll get your calls on the Drew Marshall Show when we come back.
Later in the show, probably around, well, just after 4 o'clock, Ruth Graham, daughter of Billy and Ruth Graham. What a fascinating woman this uh, this lady is. Stay with us. We'll be back. Like what you've heard? Listen again online at drewmarshall.ca.